Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us for today's episode of the Utopian Realities. Slope. Save life on planet Earth. Blog Talk Radio Show. Bringing you solution bearers with practical, proven, scientific ways to help you eliminate global-level irradiation and extinction-level threats from your body and bringing forward the means to restore and sustain global waters, air, soil, and sentient life. Welcome. Greetings, this is Siava, coming to you from the homelands, heaven on Mother Earth land of the White Buffalo Nation in Nua Segovia, also known as Crescent Valley, where we coexist simultaneously as a tribal reserve in alliance adopted by Chief Geronimo Thomas Langendorfer of the Mendocino Indian Reserve. Much respect to all my relations who will be listening to this program. Tonight begins a series of programs called Mending the Hoop, Special Words That Need to Be Heard. We have some pre-recorded interviews and material that need to be heard, which don't fit in to the live Mending the Hoop Council on Saturdays. So I'm going to upload some amazing material here that you need to hear. If you're willing, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. So if you choose to drink, I'm going to be playing some things I think are very important. Included in today's sharing of Elder's Wisdom We will be listening to a recording I did recently of Alex Whiteplume. It was a conversation with a physicist and um, free woman, Dana Dudley, and Chad Edwards of Gaia. And uh, again, I will just apologize. Uh, This was a recording that was done. They were all on the phone, and I recorded into Audacity on my computer. So my volume is louder than everyone else's. And not um, a good enough editor to uh, figure out how to um, fix that. Um, In addition, we'll be starting with an audio, which is the first segment of a book called The Great Matriarch by Meredith Quinn. It's a seminal work by um, the late Musa, the international legal advisor to Wounded Knee, And we're also going to be listening to some classic Victor Duville, the star knowledge keeper from Sintabueska University that was done four years ago in April 
on a very special trip that I took with the late chief of the Fire Lightning, Josh Bayon, my brother, uh, Gary Rowland Sr. And, um, and we're also going to be hearing some music. Feel free to call in and share your heart song and wisdom as great spirit moves you. This is a one-take wonder production. Like life, you only get one take of each moment. So let's all give it our best for Wankantanka and Unchimaka, and hopefully we will all choose good over evil and life over death. And as I said, we are going to begin with the very first section of the great matriarch, Agnes Strikehead, the last great matriarch of the Dakota Nation, and the grandmother of the late Meredith Quinn Musa. This is part one. It um, is five minutes and 50 seconds, and uh, then I will be back. The Great Matriarch, Agnes Strikehead, by Musa. Introduction. Who is Agnes Strikehead? What great act did she do that made her the Great Matriarch? Is there legal references or documentation to her identity? Let's begin by United States court history, which is a function of a country that has no royal family bloodlines and is not permitted to have any. The decision from the case, Carroll versus Pathkiller, classified all American Indians that follow Aboriginal tribal government of ancient times of women of the clan that select chiefs to speak on their behalf as a nation to be kings and queens and the offspring to be of this same bloodline. This was updated on January 17, 1975 by Judge Erborn in the case United States versus Consolidated Wounded knee cases when he stated and he was talking to 65 Indians trying to prove their sovereignty quote we cannot bring the caucus omissus in the law or a treaty end quote so Agnes Dreikhead has the royal bloodline because she believed the ancient system of government and was born in exile because of it there were two major armies. One, Indians who had taken on an autonomy government, automatically making them nationals of the United States. And two, the army representing the United States, who were trying to make my grandmother's parents as part of a tribal unit to let the U.S. nationals to speak on behalf of signatories to make and sign a treaty with the United States under threat of death that drove her parents into exile. All these historical events are well documented by the Department of Interior and the Department of War. How these events are presented in history, everyone has some idea how the system's example of propaganda works in Russia China, 
or Iraq, or even North Vietnam. Well, the United States is no different when it comes to American Indian issues. What great act did she do to make her the great matriarch? She produced a grandson with her bloodline and her clan who was commissioned by her to carry on a quest to present the event being born in exile, which was a violation of international law, which has not been resolved to this day before an international tribunal. If one were to make an inquiry into the United States Justice Department, they would be told there are more millions spent keeping track of her grandson than all Indian activists of the 1960s to 1970s. Her grandson is classified as a troublemaker, and more millions were spent to send him to prison as a political prisoner than the deficit for the city of Buffalo, New York, for the budget of 1993 and part of 1994. The alleged federal criminal charges could never take a review by an international tribunal because the real issue the United States had to stop from opening up was 80% of all tribal funds and revenues were leaving the United States for another country or nation that had nothing to do with American culture problems or issues. That $1 trillion was known to have been sent. One, American Indians had no knowledge of this issue, and two, the United States had never been given permission by a referendum vote by all the Indians in the United States to send their money other places. Indians are fighting just to get a few food stamps to eat. The court sentences, totaling 20 years, was in hopes that her grandson would rot and die in prison, just like Geronimo and others did. But her grandson hit it lucky and was able to writ himself out of prison after 31 months. The United States knows her grandson can sit down and write a document that will overcome any Indian problem on any Indian reservation. But he knows legally, as well as traditionally, once an Indian is a national of the United States, they will never care to become a signatory again. Grandson knows the tribal prophecies have said this a thousand years ago. And that is section one, um, next program. We will um, hear the next section. Now, um, in lieu of an opening prayer, I'm going to play a song written by Siava. Great spirit, when you called, I answered, set my life upon the line. Walk the path of fire Spinning, spinning, spinning On a web so fine Please, Father, don't fail me 
on this vision quest Set my sights upon you Gambled all upon your name Your faithfulness and promise My only gain Great Spirit, hear me calling For clarity and truth Your child, your bride, beloved, calling out to you. You put me on a journey, listening to your voice. Turn left, turn right at your word, surrender my only choice. Set my sights on you, your faithfulness and promise, my only fame, freedom as a rose, courage in the heart, casting aside the ways of the world. Seeking only you, great spirit, do not fail us on this vision quest. Answer the riddles of my heart as you put us to the test. I have no outer wealth, no power and no pomp. I've sought you in the meadows Amidst the flowers from I've danced on mountain grasses And loved you in the sky Great spirit in your promises I live and I will die Oh great Spirit, all is you, and all the earth is yours. Earth, water, wind, and fire emanate from you. You lead me to the chasm, I stand upon the cliff, and trust that when I take the leap, I'll rise upon your wind. Do not fail us on this vision quest. We set our sights on you, your faithfulness and promise. Our only wealth. Siava, uh, thank you again for joining us. We're now going to uh, move into listening to the first part of what is a three-part series with um, 
Victor Duvel, the star knowledge keeper, who I first heard speak at uh, the Water Lily Treaty Council at Braveheart Lodge. And I was on a quest when I was invited out to uh, the heart of Unchimaka. My goal was to be like a midwife for the rebirth of the Ocheti Sakowin and uh, to restore the matriarchal sovereignty under the white buffalo calf woman in alliance with the peacemaker who one could say is her chief um, in the spirit world. And so I asked Victor Duvel um, if Gary Rowland and I could come and speak to him. And we drove from Wounded Knee to Rosebud to Sintagliska University. And Victor was kind enough to sit down with us, and I believe I had a digital recorder. And there's a wonderful picture of Chief Gary Rowland that I will add to this program because he is, you know, he's very much still with us. I feel his spirit here. What a good man. And we had such a nice, nice afternoon at Sintagliska University, which is such an inspiration. And with that, I want to uh, say some uh, special words of love to Marge Grow Eppard and the trustees of DQ University. And in case you didn't know, DQ stands for the true name of the peacemaker. So here, uh, my friends and family, is part one of a conversation between Siava, Lisa Wolf, Wright, and Victor Duville, and Gary Rowland Sr. on April 3rd, 2000. And 17. Again, I apologize in advance. Um, I cleaned up the audio. There was a lot of background noise. And I, I hope that uh, Chief Victor's words can be heard. And also, um, this is a 23-minute piece. And then I will be back. Uh, enjoy. Um, I'm passing the feather. Interested in uh, in the system that we have, we have a system called Kyuksa, which is a a group that uh, at one time intermarried. Uh, they, they they were in alliance with the Ojibwa. And they intermarried with them, and they adopted this uh, cross cousin marriage. So one band, the mother band, uh, which was the that group intermarried. So they, uh, because they violated the, uh, the, the system that we had, the, the northern groups that, that had the cross-cousin marriage, because of the people's So it, it was a uh, conflict between our, our, uh, the group itself, but the, uh, the parent band is the one that married into that. And eventually they, they were called Kyuksa, which means uh, Marriage breakers, breakers of the uh, and eventually our tribe divided along those lines. The one that wanted, and one that didn't want, and there was kind of a social civil war within. 
And eventually, uh, that's what caused our, uh, our groups to migrate out of Minnesota because they uh, get away from that. But in the clan system, it's a little bit different because you can't marry anybody in the same clan, same sign. Uh, usually, uh, in, uh, in the uh, practicing of, uh, of recognizing kin, usually the uh, cross cousins move away. Which means a parallel, because we had no such thing as parallel cousins, a parallel relationship, because they were integrated as family. So, uh, but the original was a matrifocal system, where uh, much like Iroquois, we uh, traced our, our lineage from the uh, from the mother's side. And uh, but that started breaking up. That there's something about where you live, where uh, it's going to uh, bring. Uh, the division among the Apache folk and Apache folk. So in the women's area where they lived, uh, they didn't really have to uh, labor a lot to farm because nature reinforced all that. It, uh, it helped. But once you got out of that area, then it shifted to the male. So all throughout our learning about our, our social systems, uh, we began to realize that it changes throughout time. And uh, trying to get the give it a good idea to study that. But, uh, and there's one I don't have that I wanted to get you, and it was it was too big. It's called yeah. the Dakota Proclamation. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, uh, I've been doing the uh, I've been work, working with uh, uh, the um, workshop that he. Uh, he gave me the copy of that, uh, uh, the doctrine. Uh, so I've been, uh, I've been integrated in my classroom systems where we're trying to uh, seek a way of uh, breaking off from the old Anglo-Saxon laws yeah. and, and trying to uh, go back to traditional. Uh, so I got that and we, we did a number of uh, which uh, the doctrine of discovery. That's the one we've been uh, showing. And, uh, it's online, too. Keep that online. Uh, but it uh, there it defines uh, all the legal terms that are Anglo-Saxon. And they, the churches will not promote that. And now we have separation of church and state. Uh, so we're trying to seek means of uh, doing that. And using our uh, traditional government because the government we have is uh, the, the IRA government, uh, which is not... Uh, not the right kind. And, uh, You're not giving this to me, are you? No. I, <laughs> I'm trying to give you the cop out. Uh, but I'll just get that online. Okay. Uh, if, uh, if you get that, it's... Uh, 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 wolf child, child and wolf uh, child. Uh, and you get a doctrine of discovery. But that's all right. Yeah, if you contact them, you send your free copy. Okay. Yeah. Because it, you know, in order to mm -hmm. to claim sovereignty, you you have to yeah. have the right form, or they yeah. Yeah. they won't recognize yeah. it. Yeah, that is. Uh, we've been struggling to get that traditional government in there, and, uh, and because we all adapted the to the IRA government, we still have treaty groups up that didn't that didn't uh, didn't sign into that. And I understand there's a difference between treaties and treatises. Yes, yeah. You under you know about that? Yeah. yeah. And that the 
treaties unless if the clan mothers yes. weren't behind them, then yes. the treaties yes. aren't really treaties, yes. and they can break them. Yes. They're simply treatises. Well, right now we got a, a GO status. Some uh, that have that. That we got a uh, one sitting that we have a, a desk over in, uh, uh, in Geneva. And we have our, our traditional government face there, and so we're trying to draw strength from that. So I was right to reach out to you. You were the right person. Yeah. So we're uh, really interested in. Uh, I used to belong to the treaty council, but it's a puppet. It's a puppet dictated by tribal council. And, uh, that's why I got off the treaty at, at the council. I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to. Um, we're trying to establish one where we go back to lineal descendants that signed the treaties. My grandfather, shooting cat, is when it signed some of the treaties. So we're trying to uh, use him and all the authors in there to go back to the legitimacy of who the signers were. And do you know who the clan mothers were? Yeah. yeah. You do? Right there. That was the, the uh, they call her medicine woman. She was the, the wife of uh, shooting cat. Oh, my goodness. And she, uh, she kept a perfect household. And uh, within her, she really groomed the, the, uh, the boys there to lead. But, uh, so you know that the word savage yeah. actually means those who live amongst the trees yeah. and is a compliment. Yeah. So we're, that is the, our lifelong dream is to go back to a traditional government if, uh, if we get everybody on the same page. But uh, we have uh, all battlefields out there uh, because of self-interest groups. A lot of our people are being acculturated so they now don't really think trees are are the right way, right path. Well, we're trying Is to it true that the, in the in 408 AD that um, when the Visigoths were defeated mm-hmm. that the chief that North and South America the, the America's empire that the chief clan mother for the Americas was Dakota yeah. and that they were there and signed yeah. that treaty, that is true. Yeah. And that's the ultimate strength, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And then that in 1491, um, the British gave their land title back to the Romans, yeah. and then in 1492, and that's what gave rise to Columbus being yeah. ciphered as a pirate, yeah. Yeah. and all that is true. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, uh, so we're attempting to... Uh, Open that, but then we've done a lot of groundwork because I teach a lot of tribal government stuff. We're trying to go back and open that path so people have an understanding of where we came from. Are you willing to speak on the air about this? I do this. Yeah. I think I told you I've been doing this radio program yeah. since August called Standing with Standing Rock, Savage yeah. Sovereignty. Yeah. Um, you will? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I could. Uh, probably getting involved that as I'm already trying to expand out and uh, push that movement to get that to be accepted. And if we get nothing or uh, we're trying to get the Pope, uh, the Pope to try to uh, reverse yes. those people rules that came out. And then all the land returns yeah. to... And then we would be on equal legal field with, with the United States. That's what they were trying to do. And, uh, the man looks like the, the right person to hold, but we still... Uh, can be hard work. But that's the ultimate goal is to because we ran out of options, the uh, courts. 
because doctors sent for it near Rakesh is shut down now. It only goes one way. And uh, so our dream is to open up that if we could get the Pope to renounce those doctrines, we would be able to get that on the same footing internationally. As yeah. the international uh, people have already uh, sided with us. It's just that they don't have power to push Well, I understand that all the wealth of the Vatican actually yeah. is owed to the tribes. Yeah. Is that your understanding, yeah. too? Yeah. Yeah, so the, uh, the income rent system that imposed on the tribes of South Wales extended out to northern tribes. So we were nothing but a stepping stone. Well, I understand first they yeah. murdered all the European yeah. tribes to wipe out the record yeah. before they came over here. Yeah. But that's really, uh, we uh, try to seek a uh, understanding of how we can go. The problem here on the Rosebud, most of Lakota reservations, is that we have incomplete nuclear families that are really high, roughly about 40 to 50 percent. If we get the families to function, get it back on the same page, and we'll go back to a matrimonial system, a matrimonial but it's kind of hard at this stage because it's broken families. Can it, can it be done spiritually it, it, to replace, since you can't trace necessarily? Yeah, can it be done through yeah, ceremony? The, the important thing is to get spirituality back in. That's why we're so, uh, we're so uh, willing to go out and, uh, uh, and uh, promote that star, star knowledge, which uh, the... Uh, are able to show that land forms are, are God-given, that we communicate with the above below. It's a secret above the secret Everything they're trying to do with their technologies yeah. done spiritually, naturally. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, one of our main goals. Uh, so, uh, And I'm here yeah. at your service. Yeah. But this is why I'm here. Yeah. It's for this work. Yeah. That's one of the uh, biggest problems that we're trying to get them to honor tree and got to health. Because the rules but tells us that fell falling apart. It's uh, stripped of all the, the funding and uh, greenhouse fighting and uh, so we have to uh, it's Rosebud has a large referral service. You got a multi multi million dollar complex. Yet they cannot do operations. They don't have, they don't have uh, the doctors to fill those positions. And, uh, so we have to refer them to Sioux Falls, the Sanford system, and, and uh, Rapid City. So, the, so we have to travel there when the doctors. So we cannot go on our own to see doctors because we have that referral system within that. Within what they got. But uh, that's one of the, uh, the three requirements that they, they need on. So we have a lot of issues out there trying to uh, get them to uh, to obligate uh, the treaty systems and uh, people like Trump, they're taking all that power away, that budgeting, the funding. And, uh, so we're uh, at a point where we have to go back to something. It's to reform the government, go back to natural, natural yeah. type of thing, and then, and then get them to honor treaties because... Uh, so have you chosen your grandmother yet? We haven't yet because we're uh, I'm trying to get the uh, well one thing we get though I brought all of my uh, grandchildren uh, 
have a, a large house. I brought in all my grandchildren, uh, my great grandchildren. I'm raising all them because they're they're one side they're uh, like my son-in-law and all that's all night. And, uh, the other one says they couldn't find jobs. I got them all there. I got my kids in my house. Oh. So that's the beginning of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The traditional way that uh, yes, long out. You have these kind homes with uh, maybe four or five families in there. So I'm trying to raise them the best I can. Uh, indeed, I'm not getting any help. Uh, well, the and, uh, my mission, I mean, I know, yeah. I think I told, I don't know if I told you why I'm so audacious to. My youngest daughter was born in a barn in the straw in Wisconsin near where Miracle had been born. I was, we were sent from a community we were living in in Arizona and creators said, go do this. I didn't have any idea what or why. So I'm in the White Buffalo Nation is our organization. I'm here. I think I gave you a card yeah. as a Free Nations ambassador and UN observer. So people will support. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, they've been sending money for me yeah. so I can drive around and stuff. But we can because that's what we're here to support, yeah. what, is, what you're doing. And we'll ask. What I say, what I like to do is tell people where their donation will go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, because I don't want to be raising help and then have somebody go off gambling. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, yeah. no, it has to go for the, yeah. you know, reestablishment yeah. of the nation. But, yeah. but expenses for the household, those are all legitimate. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, I'm so relieved, Victor. Yeah. I spend a, a lot of time working since uh, 1970. My wife works at that, so her and I, we accumulate uh, a We're on a social security, so that's how we, we can afford to raise our, raise our own grandchildren. And uh, we're not getting any help. And I don't want help because, uh, because we want to do it together. Uh, but it's, again, it's, uh, we have to get our our system here to get the families to function. One of the things that in Tribalco we found that uh, if you're ground based, which is the clan mothers and the clan system, if they lay a good foundation, that's where the tribal government, uh, the template of the tribal government runs on that. And it holds internationally. Yeah. It will yeah. It will stop the black snake. It will stop Trump. Yeah, yeah. So we're, uh, we're, that's what we're trying to be building reform the families. It's hard because even the tribal council don't want that agenda. They want to control it. They want to keep getting the money. They want to control and get the money. Down. They don't want a functional government a family system because they will uh, dictate. So they turn their backs on the answer for tribal reform, uh, social reform. But what grounds we getting, we had to go to reform. At once, but there's kind of a miracle that came because uh, our government was based on a district system. We want to go back to the old church by our community government. We had 21 traditional communities there, and uh, that was taken apart into, into uh, districts. Finally, that we had a government reform that people stood past. They wanted all the communities to be equal. So we got some of the larger communities, like uh, one of the communities that, that here at Antelope, 
it, it, has, it usually has uh, 3,000 people, as opposed to another one uh, in Wood, South Dakota, which only, which only has six families. So it's less than 500. In, in, uh, so the tribal council uh, usually picks representative, uh, so they, they overload the uh, representative more than the small ones. So now we're on the same page where I've got all the, the communities uh, equal, equal power. So that's a miracle that was done, and they did the groundwork for it. Now we can go to uh, reform a lot better. But uh, all the years I've been teaching here, I seem to kind of reinvent the wheel. Take two steps forward and three steps backwards. And, uh, it's because you know, the uh, tribal government, it follows to the wishes of the government. Uh, we have to get off uh, paternalism, the idea and the chart. So we need to bring more sustainable businesses yeah, yeah, here. That is what needs to be done. We need to uh, begin to uh, have a sustainable economy, which our original chiefs wanted. When they came here, they looked at this place and said, only, only we can run a sustainable type of system is to have to convert kind of ranching style. We have would be able to run them horses. We've got residents and farm. That never happened. They yeah, said, you go farm. Show you how. So with uh, so original keys are right. We uh, go back to a sustainable economy. And my uncle, one of his sons at the start the University of Stanley Redford, he uh, was all for the sustainable economy. He uh, was able to get homes here, housing. And then he got into a project where he got rabbits. He's and uh, other wild uh, fowls, like the turkey, uh, that rabbits he saw, he saw were abundant, so we could use them. We can uh, take the yeah, food from them, we could And there would be stable way of doing things. I and like hemp too. Yeah, and, uh, and then you got like a turkey match with the, uh, the human wild, and that goes and we can hunt them. Now he's looking for maybe deer or buffalo that we can uh, you wish that 500 buffalo on the tribe about that much so we're trying to build a herd uh, we need more land which land being diminished it's a whole when we look down the line it's a whole lot of uh, tasks that we before us and uh, my lifetime is running running short and I've got other uh, other people take over as I retire back so I've had to rebuild that family system, but uh, we got some uh, people not, uh, with the way I do things out there, I'm going to get them all involved too, and it's hard because they, uh, they're all unemployed, so they want that fixed income. If we were able to get the family run back on its feet, we'll be able to uh, go back to the old Jewish system. We'll all share things and uh, and it's uh, usually uh, about four cars gave them to my kids. They, they use them. And they, they run errands for us in that. Uh, so we share a lot of things. Nothing's really minded. My car I got the, the kids take it whenever they have to go get grocery stuff. But, uh, so everything is shared in the house. So everything, uh, if you put something down, you better watch it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> 
we share everything within that. All nine kilos and that. The family all. Uh, only play, but they do things for me. I go and leave my car there with you. Flat, they do it. They fix it. The things they can do. But uh, again, it's uh, hard because uh, life is pretty rough here. I mean, time's high. And, uh, but still, we don't. I'm not really looking for monetary. I'm looking for more of a sharing type of economy. That, uh, I've always found that uh, when I first came and married, uh, before I got married, I uh, lived singly. And, uh, and when I didn't have a job, I, we, got, uh, we got annuities or uh, commodities. And I found that you cannot make it alone unless you hook up and make a share of things. It goes a long ways if maybe you have four people put in a pot what you get in quantities. And it, uh, it, eventually we got married, had a larger family, then that came easy. We were able to uh, do a lot of things that area. But that is one of the uh, economies that we're trying to push. Again, it's difficult, it's difficult right. because uh, we're locked into the welfare system. Yes. It's bad because uh, the welfare here controls all the homes. So my friends broke down. I couldn't get one. So I went to the housing, they, they wouldn't give me any. So I told them I can buy one from you guys. I said, I can make up 2000 maybe several months and get me, you, can, uh, you can help me get one. Which is no, we cannot take the money because this is a poverty fund. We get the money, we lose our poverty status. That's the type of mentality we have. So I have to go back and deal with the whites in the downtown to get the last thing I wanted because they'll make the money off of it. But I learned to uh, do furnace work too, so get able to get that. So I ran this whole two inches without the, the, uh, the furnace. Uh, Trying to build chimneys and stuff like that. It's, uh, but it's, you got to go back and go back to the basics. That's uh, really what uh, we lack. The technology is only good if you find some sensible use to it. Like this, you know, the uh, flash drives. I no longer buy books. It used to be all full of books. I know, me too. Yeah, and uh, I got most of my stuff on. Concludes part one of a three-part conversation with the Star Knowledge Keeper, Victor Duville, recorded on April 3rd, 2017 at Cinta Gleska College in Rosebud, also present but silent like a good scout, the late, great Gary Rowland. Let's... uh. To have a special moment of remembrance for all of our family who is crossed over right now. We hope to see you soon. They say that the ghost dancers will be coming back across the Great Divide. And I look forward to shaking the hand of my brother, Chief Fire Lightning, who adopted me as his sister. And now I am Lakota. And now, before we move on to the portion of our program that features the recent conversation with Chief Alex White Plume, 
of Keitha Park, husband of the late, great Deborah White Plume, who I also hope to be seeing soon when the ancestors cross over the Great Divide and come back to this land. Um, I'm going to play a song that is dedicated to Walla Wonkin Tonka. And this is a song by Siava Semwa. <laughs> it's called The Danger Zone. And uh, thank you for listening to uh, Mending the Hoop, special words that need to be heard, a one-take wonder production in conjunction with Chief Geronimo and the Mendocino Tribal Reserve and all the renewed sovereign original nations of Turtle Island and of Mother Earth for the people of the four directions, white, black, yellow, red. If you're here for the mending of the sacred hoop and the healing of the earth, welcome home. The White Buffalo Nation welcomes all the true-hearted, good children of Great Spirit. Now, the danger zone. Well, I had no idea when I saw you riding down the street and stopped you to see who you be. I was entering the danger zone. Oh, the danger zone You take me to the danger zone Well, you came in And we had some tea And you found out That you liked me And I found out You made me laugh And I started to see What you're all about Oh, you're taking me to the danger zone, and you're taking me to the danger zone. Oh, baby, oh, when I let you in, oh, baby. I'm gonna do it again Cause I like it here In the danger zone I like it here In the danger zone Well I was living my life Just talking to Nobody to get to me, but I saw your smile. Oh, you made me laugh, and I let you in. I'm so glad, cause you're taking me. Can 
baby, how you make me feel. I can't believe this is real. Oh, it feels so good. It's changed your And suddenly,
sickness across Turtle Island. There is, I dare say, no home that is untouched by trauma, by addiction, be it to uh, whatever. I mean, I eat food. I smoke cigarettes. I'm not a breatharian. I suppose you could say I'm addicted to food. I'm addicted to sleep. But sometimes, you know, our brothers and sisters, especially with the fire water, which was used to make men of the original nations sign treaties, such as the Treaty of Fort Laramie, which uh, apparently a big wagon of booze was rolled into the treaty grounds where all the men were. And then everybody was given all the fire water they could drink. And then they passed out. And then the soldiers, the blue coats, dragged unconscious men of red heritage with signing authority for their wives, for the Cassus and Missus, who does not appear but is stands for great spirit, the original mother, the womb of life from which we all emerge. The men were dragged unconscious and pens were put in their hand or their fingerprints were put on the Treaty of Fort Laramie. (sighs) So back to our brothers and sisters who may in the future be listening to this program from behind bars. I see Ava as clan mother of the White Buffalo Nation appointed, asked to be such by great spirit and trained by great spirit to be a hollow bone, a hollow bowl, a chinupa, an empty cup. I am going to read a letter that uh, was sent, was written on November 14th, 2020 to Grandfather Leonard Peltier. It is from Lisa J. Wolf, White Buffalo Nation, Nua Segovia, 3039 Crescent Avenue, Crescent Valley, Nevada, 8988. In case anyone else needs to write a letter to me. November 14, 2020. If you want to also write to Grandfather Leonard, one of the longest held political prisoners, akin to holding the late president of South Africa, we can name many political prisoners in any case. This is a letter to Leonard Peltier, number 89637-132, USP Coleman 1, PO Box 1033, Coleman, Florida 33. 
5521. Honey, wash Leonard Peltier. I am sorry I have not written sooner. But today, great spirit, put it on my heart that it is time to send my love and greetings. I am for what it is worth. So sorry that you're answering the call and coming to the knee long ago to defend the grandmothers and grandfathers, which was so noble and brave as you protected the Ocheti Sakowin, and that that great spirit within you has borne such ignoble treatment. Your being a prisoner of war so long is unbearable for those who love you, and surely I cannot even imagine the pain and agony you have endured, although I trust it has turned you into a spiritual giant. You are a living Tonka, the elder who stands in the fire for all of us before being brought into the lodge. And that like the Tonkas, you ceaselessly carry prayers to the Tonkashala. You have been in the fire so long, Leonard Peltier. You are a diamond Tonka to Tonka. I received an understanding many years ago from Unchimaka that she, our mother, is deeply upset at you, her dear, lion-hearted, brave son, her beloved, being held behind bars. And she sees your incarceration as reflective of her own rape and desecration and enslavement. And that she so looks forward to your being free to sit on her hillside, unimpeded by metal bars and concrete walls, free and surrounded by the sky and touched by the wind and rain and serenaded by the songs of the birds. She grieves for you ceaselessly, and your release will for her mark the true possibility of the mending of the hoop, broken at Wounded Knee by the original massacre, and again by your incarceration. And your release will mark the true unfolding of the healing of the earth, and that as long as you are behind metal bars, her heart is broken. She asked me to ask you to please, please, please continue to pray and stay in your body on this side of the great divide. You are most beloved to her, and she thanks you for your service and love and is always with you. I realize that you are old enough to be my father, Leonard. You graduated school in 1957, the year I was born. And so I hope that you don't mind that I, in my heart, have adopted you as my father. Well, I trust I have said too much, but what I am sharing is no secret. And please tell the authorities there to get some fresh coffee and donuts. And thanks for protecting you and me and all of us. And best regards to whomever besides Leonard reads this letter, as I know you will. And thank you for letting him receive this letter. Unchimaka has told me that she wants you free, and it breaks her heart, and she considers your incarceration truly a symbol for the wrongful abuse of her and the people she loves most dearly, the original people of Turtle Island who care for her heart. She, my mother, with whom I, like you, am one, asked me to tell you 
She loves you with all her heart. And if she could set you free, you would have been home long ago. But your incarceration is her incarceration. And the buffalo woman whose armpit I walk beneath and who is one with Unchimaka says she snorts and stomps and wishes she could bring down the walls that hold you. But being that this is the time of positive prophecies being fulfilled, the time of the seventh and eighth generations and the white buffalo calves having been born since 1994, I have hope that the Tonka hearts of the Wasichu will sprout water of compassion and even those cold-hearted ones who hold you captive will find their hearts return to life and put themselves in your shoes and the scales will fall from their eyes and hearts and you will be set free. May you come home soon, Father. The old spiritual song, Let My People Go, could be sung with you specifically in mind. When Leonard was in U.S. jail, let our Leonard go. Please, prison guards, let our dear Leonard go. Doksha, Father, please write and let me know if I may call you that. Much love. Siava. And now, before we go into our um, portion of the program, where we hear uh, the conversation with uh, Alex Whiteplum, we are going to listen to a song that was written by Siava, and it is an adaptation of some psalms from my lineage, the tribes of Israel, of the lion, the house of Judah, although I myself, on my father's side, am of the tribe of Benjamin, and I claim on my mother's side the tribe of Lilith, the original woman, the tribal woman who never left the garden, who never fell. So, thank you all for uh, being part of this special evening program of Mending the Hoop Radio, special words that need to be heard. I hope you enjoy the song. Come now, let us reason, together says the Lord, lessons are us. Scarlet they shall be white as snow, though they flow red as crimson, they shall be like wool. The mountain of the Lord will be established as highest of the high. Many people will come and cry, come, let us go to the mountain of the lady. She will teach us her way so we may follow. She will judge between the nations and will settle our disputes. Who will beat our swords to plowshares and our spears to pruning hooks? Wise counselor, mighty good, princess of peace. 
out of love. Great spirits then will be established as highest of the high. Many people will come and cry. Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. He will teach us his ways, so we must follow. He will judge between the nations and will settle our disputes. Who will beat our swords to plowshares and our spears to pruning hooks? Come now, let us reason together, says Great Spirit, for our sins. Our scarlet they shall be white as snow, snow they flow, red as crimson, they shall be like wolves. Hi, hi. And now a portion I've been really looking forward to playing for everyone. This is Alex White Plume, a phone conversation with Chad Edwards and Dana Dudley and Siava. And again, I apologize in advance that my voice is louder than everyone else's, but um, we will be uh, working that out, but that's how it is for now. So here we go. I think these are really real. I never heard Alex speak about these things, and I'm very grateful to technology that I was able to record this conversation. And I do have permission from Alex, my very dear brother, to play this. I hope you enjoy it. It's 30 minutes. You're not supposed to have no trauma. And what that does is it uh, weakens your blood. And your blood becomes uh, susceptible to diseases and getting sick. And uh, But anyway, for 100 years, we were in a conquered state of mind, and then uh, uh, the wounded knee, the second wounded knee happened, 1973. I'm sure you heard about Russell Means and Dennis Day. What they did was they started in our mind a uh, thinking process, saying, hey, we don't really have to be this way. And uh, our language is still here. And uh, one of the things that people need to understand is all Indians are not alike. We're not even Indians. <laughs> The people who have 500 years of contact, they're no more. And the ones with 400 years of contact, they're no more. Usually, uh, 200, they're usually uh, blue-eyed, blonde hair, but they remember their ancient bloodline. So uh, that, that, that's kind of a situation. And we had 228 years of contact this year. And uh, we're still real. Our language is real. We're still practically the same way my grandpa's was 400 years ago. So we want to get back into that original kinship system. And when we say we want to leave our way, uh, America has us uh, as hunter-gatherers. And uh, we, uh, we're barbaric. We're caveman-like. <laughs> That's really from the truth because the kinship system is different from socialism. We're not socialism. We're not communists. But it's a different way. It's a real sophisticated, clever way to live together in harmony so that no disasters could happen to us. And, uh, but we've been living that way. Uh, I met my wife in 1979. I came back from Berlin, Germany. I was in the Berlin Brigade with the Army in Berlin, Germany, 
sliding the iron curtain where Adolf Hitler was. And uh, I came home, and uh, when I was in Berlin, I'd walk down the street, and there'd be 20, 30 different nationalities all walking, Iranians, Turkish, uh, all different types of people, and I was just amazed at uh, how they had their cultural ways yet and their language. And here on the Pine Ridge, the government policies were forbidden everything that's Lakota. And in 1978 was the first time Congress passed a law to rescind the, uh, uh, the, the laws against our spirituality. So 1978 was the first time we could practice our Sundance openly. Before that, it had to be hidden, secret. So we, uh, um, in a nutshell, that's basically us. We're rebuilding our nation today. Alex, can I say one thing? Two things, actually. One uh, is, let's remember, as Musa reminds us, that savage means those who live amongst the trees, and it is a good word. It's been made out to be bad. It's a word of power. That it was the word um, that describes the original peoples on that 408 A.D. treaty when the Romans were defeated by the Visigoths with the help of actually of the Lakota, Dakota, Nakota royalty at that time, and also that barbarian likewise. Oh, let me finish is, my sentence before I forget what I was going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. When you interrupt me, I forget my train of thought. Anyway, the point I was trying to make was, uh, in 1973, there's a, there's a war amongst our people, amongst the mixed bloods that were uh, colonized, there were better Americans than the Americans themselves. And those of us who spoke Lakota, we were uh, totally mistreated by our own people because we uh, didn't fall in the melting pot. But that, that went on, and some people died. Two FBI agents were killed. Uh, three members of our tribe were killed during that little war. And so that went on, and it was real violent here from 73 to about 1985. And 1985, my uh, wife had a vision that we had to bring back our, our, our grieving rituals. Because there's two ways to grieve. The white man's way is you lay on the couch and... They ask you questions, and usually they ask about your sex life, you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long, drawn-out, uh, one-year-long ritual where everybody had to participate within the family. And we uh, so we brought back our grieving ritual starting in 1985. And, uh, and the way we did that was we went up to uh, it's about 230 miles north of us to Seating Bull's camp. And we jumped on our horses, and we rode all the way back to the death trail of Wounded Knee, where our people were killed. And it provoked us to cry and heal, and then we learned our songs back again. And so since then, we've been doing our, um, our own ways of, of purifying our blood. When you heal, if you're normal, you should have pure blood in you, no sicknesses, no ailments, no, no, no trauma. <laughs> so we've been doing that. And uh, in 1973, there's only five Sundances around the whole world, secret. And and today, there's over a thousand Sundances. It's just growing because uh, across the, around the world, people are giving up on what they call religion. It's uh, written in black and white, and I guess there's a God up there someplace. I've never seen him. <laughs> but they, uh, 
we brought back our ways, and ours is a, a spiritual way, real sophisticated, and, and it's really good for us. And so um, today, we're busting out from that conquered state of mind, and what we want is uh, we have to move to certain areas at certain times of the year, and uh, we need our treaty territories back. And the Lakota people, America has us written down as let this be savages, we'll uh, kill everybody. Well, that's the furthest from the truth. A uh, simple interpretation of the word dad or your father means ah, there. Ah is your shoulder, and there is where you put your face on his shoulder. So if you need somebody to lean on or somebody to cry to or somebody to depend on, it's your dad. That's a real gentle name. I mean, how can I be a bloodthirsty savage with a title like that? So we are today. That's what we're doing is we're bringing back our ways and uh, we have to do it in raw poverty because we can't get paid for doing it, <laughs> which is probably okay. But today we just want our um, treaty honored. Uh, in 1998, the, uh, my wife's grandfather was Chief Red Cloud. She comes from the Red Cloud band. And, uh, and talk about extremes, uh, I come from the Uyukhpe. And Crazy Horse was a member of our youth, but we were the ones declared hostile. We never came into the reservations, we never accepted rations. So from being a hostile to a treaty signer, it was kind of uh, real uh, funny at times. <laughs> but they had a meeting for four long years, and today we want to file genocide against the United States of America for what they did. They go around and fight other countries around the world for misdeeds when they don't even look at their own backyard. But here's the interesting part was, I went to United Nations, I went three times, and there's a second treaty seminar on treaties. And the United Nations said that the United States of America violated the treaty with the Sioux. And then I went to the third seminar to ask for a request, and that was to get a, a consensus of over 800 nations around the world to support us to go to the World Court of Justice to file genocide against America. And I got it, we got it at the United Nations. And so I, I proceeded to go to Brussels, Belgium, where the World Court is. And first thing I wanted to do was research genocide. And I went to the library, and it's, a, it's, it's about a mile wide, that whole building is huge. And uh, the people are real scary because they are different. They, they live there, and they, they live about world politics. But as I was standing there, this young man came up to me and said, can I help you in another language? I said, I, I, I speak American, so he spoke English. So I told him I was there to uh, research uh, genocide, how to file genocide on the United States of America. And he said, well, I'll save you time. And we went to this little section, and we sat down, and he said, every country in this world, after 1946 uh, war with Germany, what they did with the Jews, every country in the world signed a pact to own up to their misdeeds in their countries. The only country who did not sign on to that pact was the United States of America. So you can't bring them here to the World Court of Justice. Uh, you can't take them to your Supreme Court. It's just covered. And so that's where I'm at today with that issue. And I've been pursuing that for close to 18 years now. And uh, I just don't have the funds to go around the world. And while I was doing that, uh, I was real surprised when I came home. And one day I got a call from the United Nations. And it was uh, Evo Morales from Bolivia. He wanted to meet me in, 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 in New York at the United Nations. And uh, he paid my way, paid my hotel. It's really expensive up there in New York. 
and, and what you wanted to know was why are you doing that? So I said, well, Americans aren't really from here. They're trespassing in our original territories, and we want to bring back our way, and we want to live normal, like what they say is normal. And so he uh, he gave me an open invitation and directed to the ambassador, anything the Sioux want, you support them at the United Nations, because there was an ambassador at the United Nations that he had uh, appointed to work with me. And then the other one was Chavez. His ambassador was appointed to support the Sioux. And uh, we're not really Sioux, that's a, a label word from the Chippewa, they call us that. And, uh, and so then there was from um, Iceland ambassador would also would sign on to that. And so our strategy was to hold a tribunal where we get five ambassadors from five countries to come here and hold a tribunal, and we would tell them, this is what happened. Uh, I don't speak my language. It's uh, genocide. Uh, I'm getting diabetes from the water I drink because of mining. That's genocide. All, all these and that, these five ambassadors would write up the uh, Genocide Act, and they would take it to the World Court of Justice. That's the, that's the strategy that we came to. And uh, I did meet with uh, Chavez and uh, Evo Morales, but that's about as far as I got. And, I just ran out of gas, and we, my wife, all our activism, uh, I found it through my social security check. <laughs> and then I used to have a buffalo and horse ranch here, so a little at a time we've been selling our resources, and uh, we brought it this far. But I'm, I'm close to 70 now, and I'm just kind of running out of gas, and uh, I have to pass it on to someone else to continue this on. Tell them about as growing as it has been, what happened also during that same time frame. Yeah, our, um, our treaty council, which is still dominant on our, on our Indian reservation, they uh, approved uh, industrial hemp. They call it industrial hemp. In Lakota, it's called Wahupta Ska Khejuta. Anyway, uh, so the tribal government that is recognized by the United States, it's a bill in Congress, they passed a law separating uh, recreational marijuana, medical, to industrial hemp or use it for CBD or housing or whatever. So 1998, I planted my first field, and of course it took me two years to learn how to be a farmer because I'm a warrior status. I'm not really a farmer, you know, so I had to learn those traits. And, uh, and here in 2000, uh, uh, DEA and FBI, U.S. Marshals, Sheriffs, I was surrounded by 40 different uh, police-type people, and they uh, held us off, and they stole our crop, and, uh, but they didn't charge me. They didn't try, make no charges, so we said, well, they're just thieves. They stole our crop, you know, and there's no way we could run into wherever federal building they went to hide our stuff and find it and get it back. It was just too ridiculous. So we grew it again in 01, and then in 02, uh, my family and I were the only ones around the whole world that have a lifetime restraining order never to grow hemp. That's what the United States did to us. And uh, there's been about a 16-year court and what they did was they didn't charge me criminally if they charged me criminal with marijuana I would have been in the Supreme Court within year, uh, three years and the reserve rights doctrine which we have a Supreme Court supposed to lean in our favor because we're original people here uh, I would have had that settled in three years but the United States attorneys all strategized and they sued me civilly with eight criminal counts and so uh I had to go through the civil way, which totally wiped out my ranch, and I don't have no more buffaloes, no more horses. My ranch is just like a, a graveyard now. <laughs> so 
we uh, we went through that, and then uh, finally, uh, when Trump got in, my court case went to St. Louis, Missouri, and the Eighth Court of Appeals, they said that there's a marijuana form and there's a, a industrial hemp form, but it can change the laws. So they used that to, uh, uh, Trump signed the legislation legalizing industrial hemp across the country today. And, and also the uh, district court rescinded its original uh, charge of growing marijuana and all that stuff. So uh, today, I don't have no more federal charges, but I have to uh, uh, go through uh, the USDA, I guess. It's finally legalized. But that was our experience with trying to grow a natural plant. And uh, I was going to make some toilet paper with Trump's face on it. Alex, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What does men, I mean, because... You know, they say the sacred hoop was broken at Wounded Knee at, during the time of the massacre. What does mending the hoop mean to you as a Pine Ridge, as a, as a Lakota man? That, that's, that's what we're doing now. We're rebuilding the nation. We're rebuilding the nation. And we, we send our young people on that course back right journey to go from sitting camp to Wounded Knee and, and they cleanse themselves, they purify their blood so they can take on a huge, um, they take on a huge uh, path of people by themselves and, uh, and so that we can take actions of revitalizing that culture. And like I said, in 1973, Overlooking Horse started his from that. In 1973, during the Amen Dune War, and then in 74, the two dogs started his from that here on Pine Ridge. Then in 1975, Crow Dog started his from that on the Rosebud Reservation. And we already had three here on the Piners Reservation, so that brought six of our ceremonies being performed around the whole world. And that was in 1975. And uh, today, like I said, there's Sundancing going on every place. And we don't really appreciate that because if you're not Lakota, you don't speak the language, how can you interpret the meaning of that ceremony? So, uh, but we brought back our, our rituals are being practiced. All seven of them are being practiced today. So rebuilding our nation, we did it. And now we just need America to look at its backyard and say, hey, we have to own up to our misdeeds just like every other country in the world. We, we, we do. We get along with uh, a lot of nations. They come here. And like I said earlier, we were the last nation to be contacted. So our language, our ceremonies were real. We still speak our language here. And so the ones that had 500 years contact, they were rubbed out. But they came to us to learn our ceremonies, our vision quests, uh, to give away all the meanings, everything. And mm -hmm. they go home and they have vision quests and they bring back their culture. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened to most of the ones that had four years, well, 500 years contact. So we actually were saving a lot of people by being ourselves. There are many allies across the nation from all other nations, and we allow them to use our ceremonies to bring back their songs and their ways. So we're real friendly, and we get along with everybody, and we're bringing back the way, their way, too. Turn inward towards the family. We didn't want to fall off in that melting pot no more. 
So we resisted that. We teach our own children. We have our own school. And we, uh, we brought, we're paying back our ceremonies. One of the things my wife said was, we're going to celebrate a victory day. Whenever you see the president of the United States make a, a press release, you see behind him all those battle streamers. It's a staff with a whole bunch of ribbons hanging. If you ever look at that closely, you'll see a yellow ribbon. And that yellow ribbon represents the war they lost with the Lakota at the Little Bighorn. Uh, Little Bighorn, they, we defeated the United States military in open combat. And, and so that's what that battle stream represents. That yellow represents our victory. So we celebrate that every year on June 25th. This year it's going to be on a Wednesday. And uh, we tell the origin stories about the Little Bighorn, what happened, who was there, who actually killed Custer. And there's a real popular misconception that Custer was standing on the hill, and it's called Last Stand Hill. And he was shooting Indians, and for some reason, his pistol had about a thousand rounds and never ran out of bullets. <laughs> but, but, he, uh, but he was killed last. That's the popular American romantic story about their story. They told it that way. But we know it's different. The one who killed Custer was a guy called Red Hawk. He's buried just a half mile from my house here. And, and what he told was that they chased Custer, he fled from his troops, he abandoned them, he ran for his life. He cried for his life, he cried for mercy, he cried for life, but they killed him anyway. And, and so there's no such thing as the last stand heel. So on that day, we celebrate a Victory Day celebration. And oh, we brag something awful because in Lakota mythology, you're not supposed to brag, you're supposed to be humble and be, be true to yourself. And, but that day is legal, so oh, we brag something awful. And 18 different race events that we, or traditional race events that always oh, celebrate something awful. And I laugh so hard, my jaws and my stomach hurt for a couple of days afterwards. <laughs> everyone is invited. Yeah, everyone's invited to participate with us. In the beginning, we just did it with our children because we wanted our children to be Lakota and not be influenced by the uh, Americanism. So. Uh, we were selfish, but now our children are all grown up to have their own families. They know who they are and they know how far to go. And we send our children to school today to learn to socialize, but we don't want them to learn about the American government. Uh, you know, we have a Mount Rushmore here in South Dakota in the Black Hills on our sacred site. And uh, the first one is Washington. And he's the one who issued a $5 bounty on Indian scouts. In 1776, $5 was like $500 today, it was a lot of money. So people killed children, women, grandparents, everybody just to get their scalp. So that's Washington's legacy. He sits right here in the center of our black hills. It makes me angry. And then there's Abraham Lincoln. He hung the uh, 38 Dakota, the largest Indian tank in the world at that time. And that's his legacy. And uh, there's a guy named Roosevelt that's called Manifest Destiny. If you're white, you're right. The tribal mass must be crushed. So they took the people from the East Coast and brought them all up to the Indian nations in Oklahoma. So those presidents all committed acts of genocide, but Americans still come here and they cherish that history. And I think that's sickening. I think that's just awful that they have the wrong state of mind to do that and feel that way. And all of these people are so Christian, they're so godlike, so holy. When they come out of the church on a Sunday, they should come out with tears in their eyes for the atrocities they committed against us. But they don't even think about it. They don't even care about it. And that's kind of a, a, a weird type of people that I don't really care to associate too much with. Hi, hi. 
Alex, can I ask you a question? Um, yeah. What about the, I, I mean, everybody talks about the chief sitting bull, but as I've learned from, you know, studying Musa Meredith Quinn, he actually was the chief of the clan mother. I think it was she who only speaks once. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between patriarchy and the original way of life? Yeah, in our, in, our, in our way of living, our sophisticated way of living was the weakest ones were always protected. And, and, and our, our women were the first ones on, the, on this world, the word for woman is called we You guys remember that word, we which means the rock that lives forever. It's just the, the earth that we live on with nothing but female here. And at times there were uh, animals were growing up, people or origin stories. And, uh, different animals are growing up, the dinosaurs were awful people, and, and so they needed protection and they wanted help. And, and matriarchs, when they're pure, they can communicate with spirits, just like we're talking. And so they ask for support, for, for, for somebody to come and help them. So from the stars, we were sent here from the stars as a man, we call it Chao which means the gift star. So we were sent here to protect our women, to provide and, and take care of them. So while uh, uh, we're matriarchal, from the word go, the women are the ones who own this earth. They know how to take care of her. They don't want to hurt her. So uh, we're matriarchal, and that's how I grew up. My wife was a real stern matriarch, and I just loved her so much. She's just strong. I love strong women because they stand for something. And, and so I, uh, we, we, uh, we're matriarchal, and, and, and I love that system. And they don't disrespect you as a man. If you're a real man, if you're wise, if you have wisdom, you live a life of experience and you say just the truth, then it's a natural respect that the matriarchs give to us men. So that we're matriarchal and that doesn't mean we're a uh, caveman or we're, we're going to live in caves. We have a real beautiful way of life. And there's a story at one time where the earth went on fire because they were destroying people that lived there before us were destroying the earth. And they said that the men were giants, 15, 20 feet tall. And, and they lived here, they could take down the dinosaur to eat of it. And, and they're the ones who destroyed the first world. And so today, we have to live in a way where that don't happen again. And that's our thought philosophy. But we can't stop it with all this mining. And uranium is an awful, awful, it took thousands of years to bury that so we could breathe again. And you're bringing it back above the earth again to destroy us again. It's just ridiculous how the uh, consumerism and capitalism is just not good for our matriarchal system and uh, to protect the natural earth. Can I ask you another question? I know this is a year, this is actually your year of mourning. Can can you speak some more about um, Weeon Deborah's accomplishments and honor her? Yeah, Deborah uh, challenged the uh, biggest uranium mining company in the world. We didn't know they were the biggest ones. She just seen them as destroying our water. Uh, they're 50 miles from where I live. It's where they call Crowbute Uranium Mine. They're bringing uranium out, and their their uh, disposal of their dirty water was going into a car creek called White River and Cheyenne River, and those flows through my. Uh, I just live 19 miles from the Cheyenne River and the White River. And uh, so we were getting diabetes, we were dying of cancer, other different diseases that we never knew about that was caused from that uranium mine. 
but it took her 27 years and she shut the uranium mining down here in, in, in Nebraska. And but at the same time, she was connected to many women around the world. They organized and they worked together as a working group. And I think in Germany today, it's 75% going to wind and solar, and Sweden is 100%. They all stopped the uranium mining and they went back to a more using the sun, which is safer. So this is this was a world effort that she started and uh, she accomplished it. So people, uh, there's so much stockpiles of uranium already. Why are they still digging? They got enough for 200 years towards the future. Why are they still doing that? And it all boils back down to capitalism. Mining and we also shut down uh, the uh, Keystone Exile Pipeline, which was coming through our treaty territory. And over a thousand lakes and streams, they would cross and if that pipeline burst on one of those, it would damage the whole water and the whole Midwest system. So we, uh, we shut that down, and uh, Trump brought it back on, but then Biden just shut it back down, so we're so thankful for it. There's a wise man out there in America, and maybe that's Biden, I don't know. What do you think needs to happen with Windscape? Can you talk about that? That's so horrible. That's so... With what? With Windscape and the uranium. The emergence place, Wind Cave. Yeah, Wind Cave is the origin. Um, they, 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 they went, and I guess they investigated over 5,000 miles of caves, and that's our origin, that's our original homeland. There was a time in our life where we, had to, we couldn't breathe the air, so we had to go deep within Mother Earth, and that's where the water appears. That water comes from where the dinosaurs were here, and the air is clean under there. And so we lived under there, and we ate roots and different animals that lived under the earth. And there was a time when the earth was clear enough where we could breathe, and we went with the trees. Our trees are relatives, they're a messenger. And when they started growing, we knew it was safe, so we came up with the earth. But Wing Cave is one of our origins. That's our very first origin was from the Wing Cave, and it's from the Black Hills. And what's in Wind Cave now? What is, they put, it's contaminated with uranium. Is it yeah, not? Today. Uh-huh. And is that not how you, in the origins when the buffalo led the people out from Wind Cave, right? And that's why you're the buffalo well, nation. They, they didn't follow them out. They all came together. Ah. But, but that was a story written by some uh, archaeologist. Oh. I don't like those archaeologists. They yeah. Thank you. Although being a gynecologist might be a good. You're <laughs> 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 so funny. <laughs> so have you started your seeds popping yet? No, I, I usually wait till uh, end of May because uh, in April we get our last blizzard. Yeah. The normal way, but we don't know if it's going to happen. So uh, I always start the first week in May when we have eight hours and fifty-five minutes of sunlight. Yeah. Today we just top eight hours of sunlight, so uh, it's hard to grow anything. But you got to have eight hundred, eight hours and fifty-five minutes of hot sunlight for all plants to come to life and grow. So okay. So in June, I'll, I'll organize some of our local speakers and some of our holy people. And uh, there's no such thing as a medicine man, so don't believe somebody who says he's a medicine <laughs> man. Right, right. <laughs> what what are the dates, Alex? June what? June 25th. June twenty-fifth. Yeah, but, uh, for a week or a couple days or uh, three days of uh, activities. One day is dedicated just to have the second day for the children and the third day is the real 
uh, race day. That's real intense and real yeah. exciting. But I got to remind you of your blonde. We, we still do blonde because Custer was blonde, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How many acres are up there right now? Uh, on the whole reservation, there's 84,000 acres of agricultural land. I have good water, but our hemp is just just coming out. And, um, last year, there's 35 permits given by the tribe. And only myself and the lady from Wounded Knee were the only ones that had success because we, uh, you know, when you farm, it's a, a 10 hour a day, every day, seven days a week work to farm. You just can't plant them and forget about them. You've got to be there with them. So, uh, hard, hard work. Yeah, I'm a, Alex knows I, I grew hemp here the last three years and I, it's, you're up at six and to bed at ten and it's full time. And in fact, I'm sitting here spinning hemp while we're talking because I'm doing weaving. Uh, I'm the type of guy that plants the seed, and I push other people to the forefront to do it. So that was my success. That's why I'm so successful today. And that is a portion, um, most of an amazing conversation with um, my brother. Alex Weitzman of Kiesa Park. And I want to encourage everyone who hasn't yet to go back and listen to this past Saturday's Mending the Hoop Count Tower. We focus on the evolving um, birth and implementation of the Geronimo Hemp Plan under the stewardship, the vision of the returned Geronimo and Cochise one. The uh, man I'm very thankful to call the chief financial officer of the White Buffalo Nation, Wokolo. And also, it uh, looks like with everything we've listened to so far, we're not going to have time this program to hear the second part of uh, Victor Duville, the star knowledge keeper and the husband of the matriarch of Rosebud, his wife, who I send best regards to and hope that everyone at Sintagleska uh, and in my beloved Rosebud as well, I still do love Rosebud. And, uh, but I bring up last week's program because, you know, there's two halves to the program. And we have 20 minutes left. And I, I mentioned uh, and read the letter I wrote for Brother Leonard Peltier. And I know, and I have invited the daughter of the matriarch of the missing and murdered indigenous movement whose name brings tears to my heart. The ever beloved Annie May Pictou. When I lived for a year in South Dakota, I was on a mission for Unchimaka and Great Spirit listening to she for whom I live, the one they call the white buffalo cat woman, so that I would speak words 
that she wanted spoken. And the brave Chief Gary Rowland, the direct descendant and the incarnation of Chief Fire Lightning. He looks just like he did in that time when he lived again as Chief Gary Rowland, thanks to whom I am a proud member of Wounded Knee Aim and a proud member of AIM. And so back to my sister, my Unchi, Annie May Pick too. When I was living in Wounded Knee, people didn't know who I was. I came carrying a card identifying me as a Free Nations Ambassador in UN Observer, and I tell everyone I don't report to the UN, which I know was founded by some people who roasted my relatives in Europe and not with jokes. So I am not very fond of some of the founders of the United Nations, although I do appreciate the unity. So be that as it may, I went out to uh, Treaty Council at Chief Gary Rowland's invitation. After meeting he and Pearl Means and Phyllis Young, who came to our Saturday Standing with Standing Rock, Savage Sovereignty and Water Protectors Council, of which this Mending the Hoop program is a continuation of official meetings of the White Buffalo Nation Division Council. Back to Annie Mae. Annie So here I am, and I'm living at Wounded Knee. Sometimes I'm living up at Chief Gary's house with my nieces and my nephews and a couple of horses and many ghosts. The ghosts that wounded me come out at night. Sometimes they hang like mist. Anyway, Chief Gary and uh, Chief Swallow and Chief Crow Dog, and I believe with the approval of Chief Looking Horse, we wanted to bring the seven council fires which had assembled Standing Rock, meaning the government, the true original government of the Americas, the fires were lit. All of the Teoshpea, all across Turtle Island, were represented indeed. Chief Geronimo Thomas was asked to be one of the seven horns on behalf of his grandfather, who lives through his grandson, who is the living fruit of that tree. Let's be. In any case, no one knew who I was. If you look at me on Facebook, you'll see that I have a page called Rainbow Madonna. And as I told a brother today, the reason I hold that title, because I 
have adopted all those relatives who have dropped out have tried to find a different path and an alternative because we stand at the crossroads relatives as Chief Arval we're at the V in the road and someone like me who represents Unchimaka and Wankantanka may be standing there at the crossroads and ask you to choose the path to life and not the path to death. No, the time to choose. So back to Annie Mae and me. So here I am living at Wounded Knee first in Gary's house in the living room on a mattress along with his son and his beloved and all of the children. Very happy time. And sometimes I move down to the camp that is below the church. Burned down. Thank goodness. I don't mean to be unkind but when we were attempting to bring the seven council fires back to wounded knee for the mending of the hoop and the healing of the earth typical prophecy and I was living in my tent next to sister my sister Chitka Wian house where she and her children and her nine grandchildren live in the field below the Holocaust Museum, the round building with the beautiful paintings of Russell Mean and of Chief Fire Lightning and of Sitting Bull and other great ones. Those whose faces live in the mountains and would never carve their into the living rock pit. In any case, all of the chiefs had agreed to come and bring the teepees and set up as had been done at the Canning Rock. And we had the kitchen. We had Jean Louis Bourgeois donated, I believe it was $1,500, so we could feed everyone. And then the grumbling started. From the goons, church on the hill. The same goons who in the 1970s were going out as an armed police militia in collusion with the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the Black Pope, the Vatican and Lucifer and the hordes of hell themselves. I as as good as my witness, I do not exaggerate. Well they couldn't have that happen, could they? They couldn't have the hoop mended that would mean they had lost power. So what did they start to do? Well you can ask Paiu Harris the creator of the Mazacoin, who is our chief operating officer 
potentially, um, hopefully. He shares vision with Chief Geronimo and I in the operations of the sovereign nation of positive prophecy being fulfilled, known as the White Buffalo Nation, which is the shield of the White Buffalo Calf Women and the Peacemaker, who work and honor the highest truth of all paths short of human and animal sacrifice, who sit peacefully with those such as the Dalai Lama and all the true spiritual leaders, white, black, yellow, red, here and in the stars. So we are the star nation. In any case, such a good thing was happening. We had, Chief Gary and I had driven all the way from Wounded Knee to Rapid City to visit with his beloved, respected brother, Chief Leonard Crowdog. Much best wishes to Chief Leonard. I hear he is still with us. Stay with us, Chief Leonard. Much respect, much love. In any case, we had gone to see Chief Leonard. We had gotten his blessings. Dave Swallow, we went to his land to look at teepees. Everything was moving forward. Gary and I were coming back from Rapid City with food for the camp. I had was prepared to set up my tent down in the field by the tree where I could look up at the hillside and see the grave where I had tied fur ties. For the men, women, and children murdered in cold blood and no whose ghosts came out that day when Gary and I got back and were waiting for us. It started after we picked up the food. The phone calls came, the threatening phone calls that told Gary that if he proceeded with lighting the fires, that something was going to happen and he would go to jail or end up dead. And we went and sat at a place I never saw, but this is a brave man. This is a man who jumped out of airplanes. This is a man who went with Chief, with Russell Means and Phyllis Young to establish the Republic of Lakota. He was afraid. He was afraid. And then they started talking about me on Facebook. I think I was called a white bitch who was controlling Gary Rowland and a rainbow, a dirty rainbow, which is kind of funny. You know, it used to be the word nigger was the word that was used to insult people. It didn't matter if you were white, black, yellow, red. Now it's, it's been rehabilitated. And if you call somebody, hey, nigger, and even if you're white, it, you're cool, right? Hey, nigga, you're gangster. Well, now the insult is, you know, dirty rainbow hippie. And, uh, you know, because I have my rainbow Madonna page. So I wasn't worried about that, although my sister Morning Light, who was helping focalize donations, was literally getting death threats. And then here's where we circle to Annie Mae and why I so relate to and love Annie Mae. So they started attacking Gary and he got scared and he and everybody swallow, everybody, nothing was coming to camp. They 
they were up on the hillside at the church. We had camp. We had Felipe Chavez came. Thank you, Felipe, from Kitty Village. Paiu came, Janice Stone, um, and others. Uh, I forget of um, Paiu's Mazacoin crew. And what did they do? We got back, and Gary was shook, and he went to bed. And Feather and I, his niece, went down to check on the camp, and the ghosts were out. The mist was hanging in the air. It was palpable. The ghosts were out, and sure enough, we drove my white Sedona van, Feather and I, I love you, Feather, to the camp on Dorothy's land and Clarence Rowland and Justin and Fallon's land. And that, I mean, the, it was like Fallon and I were like holding each other because, I mean, I'm sorry, Fallon, it was Feather who was with me. I think you were in the house. You were probably asleep. You and your sister and Clarence and Justin were probably in the house asleep that night. In any case, the only one up when we got there at the fire was Paiu. And he had on his bulletproof vest. And he was geared up. And why was Paiu geared up? Because the goon squad was beaming light at us from the church. Klieg lights, like the ones the cops used at Standing Rock. They had the lights on us. And they were making noise. And they were trying to make everybody leave. And everybody was asleep except for Paiu was tending a fire, sitting in a lawn chair. Feather and I went and sat. I had my tent up, but I was very kind of, you could really feel the ghosts, and I didn't really want to sleep in my tent. Anyway, we sat at the fire, and this very rational man, Paiu Harris, told us as he was on fire watch, and Felipe was asleep, and Jana was asleep. Everyone was asleep. It must have been I don't know, it was late. It could have been one, two in the morning when Gary and I got back from Rapid with all the supplies. And he said he had been asleep and the spirits had come to him. And I believed it because as soon as we Gary and I drove into the into the down the hill to his driveway, the mist went across the windshield and I knew it was the spirits. It was like, oh my God. It's like, the spirits are out. So anyway, we sat there listening, knowing that the spirits were out, and they had come to Paiu Harris in the dream. And they told Paiu that as long as they were in a mass grave with a church on the hillside, which was adding insult to injury, since they had been massacred in the name of the peacemaker, by those who are not of his family at all. But that they had planned, that their the spirits were in, unhappy, they had been not buried properly, and that until they were, that perhaps there may be no peace between names. And he was, you know, he was sitting in the armchair gripping the sides because the dream was so vivid. And Feather and I listened, and he went back to tending the fire, and we got in my van, and we drove back up the hill to Gary Rowland's house and sat in the front seat of the van because the mist of the spirits were so strong around the house. And finally, we were brave enough to run in the house and went to bed. 
spirit. The spirit. Annie Mae. So back to Annie Mae and me. So Gary had gotten intimidated. I was living at Wounded Knee. I had brought the teachings of Meredith Quinn Musa back to the knee about the matriarchs, about the white buffalo calf woman being still the matriarch of the Ocheti Sakawan and that she is back because she fulfilled prophecy when Miracle was born in 1994 in Jamestown. In any case, the rumors started flying hard that I was a fed, that because I was a UN observer, I was actually a fed. And that is where we get back to Annie May. Annie May Pick Two was targeted by the FBI in collusion with the goons. She was a very popular woman because she was very beautiful and spirit lived through her as spirit lived through me. When they would arrest people from Wounded Knee, get their hands on them, they started letting Annie May go. And they let it, they built the narrative that Annie May picked you was a federal agent. I'm sorry, but in the middle of the war, I don't care if you're Matahari or uh, Agent 99 or whatever secret agent. If you're in a war and you're a spy and you're captured, you may face the death squad. I am not defending what happened. I think it needs to be addressed privately in the Red Nation. But suddenly I was being accused of being a Fed. And my sister, Cheska Wien, told me not to drive alone. And that is all that I will say tonight on the subject of missing and murdered Indigenous women. I am going to close this out with a clear running stream. Thank you. This has been Siava Gardner with Mending the Hoop, special words that need to be healed, a recorded, archived meeting of the White Buffalo Nation Vision And so to all my missing and murdered indigenous women, men, and children, including my relatives who died in the gas chambers. We are here. We are no longer victims. We are victors. We are warriors. And we work for good.
my relationship. Man, to the earth be yours, to the rain be the ten thousand men be at the first resurrection. All my relationships is the same. I am one of the mother of my many reasons. Bless me. The hair. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.